I've got something prepared from you out of Mark chapter 2, and I love this, and, and the whole idea for me today is to bring this story to life. I want to talk to you. You good with reading a little scripture today, by the way? We are a Bible-reading church, right? If we're not, we might need to think through that. <laughs> um, this is kind of what we do. So I brought a little bit of scripture we're going to talk about, but my job is to bring it and paint a picture for you to apply it to your life in certain ways, because the Bible was written to the people. Amen. And what it meant in that time means a lot of different things in this time. But what we're going to do is we're going to open this scripture up and we're going to see what God is trying to say in that time and how we can apply it to our lives. You ready for that? And we're going to be in Mark chapter two, starting in verse one. And what I love about this um, scripture is that it is the story of Jesus healing the paralyzed man. And uh, I know many of you maybe have heard this story, but what I love about this story is in, in Mark the beautiful uh, uh, idea of how Mark writes, he's a creative person, okay? So let me just preface it with this way. If you're a creative person in the room, you know, you like to hear the stories. Come on, if you're not creative, you just like to know the liturgy. <laughs> you want to know the numbers. You just, just shoot it to me. But I'm a creative person, so I enjoy the beauty behind the story. I enjoy the beauty behind the chaos. And so this story brings all of that. And what Mark does um, in this book, I think it's important to note that Mark presents this rapid succession of these vivid pictures of Jesus Christ in action, revealing his true identity, right? Not that the other books didn't do that, but Mark does it in such a unique way um, by how he says it. By, he, 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 he talks about what Jesus um, does, not necessarily what he says. Does that make sense? And so essentially Mark is a, uh, is a book on um, Jesus on the move. Does that make sense? And so he is trying to, if you're creative in the room, go read Mark's, uh, you know, chapter. It's, it's amazing. I, I love it, the whole book of Mark, because he just brings everything to life. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 2, um, starting in verse 1. You ready? Say yeah. yeah. All right, let's go. All right, here we go. It starts like this. Um, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home and they gathered in such large numbers that there, were, uh, there was no room left, not even outside of the door, and he preached the word to them. First off, I think it's very important to note that this was a place that everybody knew who Jesus was. This is Jesus's, um, this was Jesus's hometown. Come on, you know how it is. You know how when you can cut the lights off in your house and walk through the house, you know exactly where everything's at. You know how to get from one place. If you've lived in Paducah your whole life, you know how to get to one place to the other place without directions. It was, it was noticeable for Jesus. I think it's important to know that in this scripture. And then in verse 3, it says, Some men, they came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So essentially, in that word salad right there, there's four guys carrying a paralyzed man. So we have four friends that are believing in this young man to be healed, that they would carry this, this, this young man to Jesus, okay? Um, since they could not get to him, uh, get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof, above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. I need you to understand, I don't know if I would enjoy my roof being ripped open. Come on, anybody in here would enjoy that? Like, hey, hey, whoa, 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 we can, we can make some room. Please don't tear the mud out of my hut, please. 
I got to get that fixed again. You know, so, so here we are. People are ripping the roof open. And when Jesus saw their faith, I think it's important. He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. This is an important part. We'll get to it in just a moment. Verse five, when Jesus, uh, verse six, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this guy talk like that? He's blaspheming. And we're talking about religious leaders right now. He, they, they don't understand how Jesus operates. They don't understand what he's about. And so he, they're, they're not understanding why he's in there about to heal this man. And he's like, what, what is this guy talking about? Why is he blaspheming? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 8 says, immediately Jesus knew in the spirit that this is what they were thinking in the hearts. And he said to them, come on, first off, how many of you know when you're in a room, you see your friend talking, you're like, I know what you're thinking. You know what I mean? Like, like, I know what you're thinking about right now. And so this is where Jesus was. And he says, why in the world are you thinking these things, guys? He says, which is easier to say the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and I want you to walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, um, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up and he took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God by saying, we've never seen anything like this before. Amen. Come on. What an amazing story. We see the man being healed, but for some of us, it's a, it's a still a struggle bus. Is it not? You know, we're, we're trying to work through the story. I find it kind of humorous that the man has dug a hole in this other man's roof, right? And then, and then Jesus sees this, and then there's an argument that happens between Jesus and this, uh, the Pharisees, and the man's laying right in the between them. Like, the man's like, uh, excuse me, <laughs> I'm here for the healing. I'm not here for the argument, <laughs> you know? You know, you know what I mean? And so, and then, and then Jesus heals the man, and then he walks out proudly in front of the people that never thought that would happen. And so what I've done for you is um, I, I got a little old school, and I, and I hope you're okay with this. I brought a little video that really explains this, that really paints the picture. You want to see it? It's a couple of minutes long. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's powerful, but it'll paint this story even better. Let's watch it for a second. Oh, does that excite anybody's faith in the room? Every time I watch that clip, it makes me feel like I can storm hell with a water pistol. Come on. Like, like it's the story, there's so much chaos in this beautiful story. You see it? You see it come to life? And so I, I, I picked out a few things that this story spoke to me, and I'm, I'm going to share those things with you. I, I believe that there are so many other things that you can choose out of this story that can apply to your life. But I want to I pick out three things that will help you navigate some areas in your life in this season. And I'm just praying that one or more of these things that will touch you. Amen? Amen? All right, here we go. Here we go. Listen, if I had a second title to this message, it would be called The Authorized Break-In. <laughs> and so like, like the thing about it is, is like our life, we're all on a journey. We're all working through, um, uh, tr trying to get through work, trying to get through being a parent, trying to get through school, trying to get through job, right? And, and, and come on, how many of you know that Jesus called us to not have a flat life? He called us to live a life to the full, live a life to the fullest, amen? Well, listen, I, um, I, I, uh, I have a couple of interesting points throughout this story, and, and I'm just going to go ahead and start with the first one, and it's, it's labeled real simple. It's, it's so profound and it's just friends. <laughs> in this story, you see in this story where friends play a big role in this whole thing. 
And for some of you, this is an absolute crutch, right? Right? It's, it's, you, you have acquaintances. You have people that are around you. You have people that are, uh, that are near you, but you don't have people that are close to you. You're good at wearing the mask, you know, like, bless you, brother. Thank you so much. I'm good. Everybody's good. Are you good? I'm good. It's a great week. You know, you know what I'm talking about? And we live life like this. And I just want to relieve some pressure for some of you today that all friends do not have to be best friends. I need you to know that. I know I'm talking to a crowd of adults here, but I need you to know that all friends do not have to be best friends. Right? There are friends that will walk through you in seasons. There are friends that are going to be with you in battle, in moments, maybe for a few years, and they'll move off. And then there'll be friends that are with you for, for the entirety of the battle. And those are the friends, right, that, that, that you can get in a car and drive seven hours and not say anything to. Right? Like nobody's offended that like we're not talking. <laughs> you know, those are the friends that will help you when, 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 when you have a struggle with a child. When you have a struggle in your finances, they don't judge you, right? That, that leans out, that helps you, that, that helps you drive to the next season of your life, right? Friends are hugely important. And in, in Mark chapter 2, verse 3, it says that there are, there are several of them. There was actually four guys bringing this one paralyzed man. So we don't know the story other than that he's paralyzed. We don't know the backstory. We don't know how they operated. We don't, we don't know but they were inspired enough to grab this man because they knew there was something better for him. Amen? Amen? And so, so this was the story. So this paralyzed man, right? His, his story, his, his life, his sickness, the need he had inspired the friends that were around him. And, and, and I love what Ecclesiastes says in chapter 4, starting in verse 9. It says this. It says, two people are better than one. Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed, right? So, so if, if, if one person falls, then the other can reach out and help. And this is what we're called to do. We're called to be this in the church. We're called to be this in friendship. We're called to be this in our life. When, when someone falls, it's our job to look and notice and reach the hand, extend the hand. But then what does it say in the further part of the scripture? It says this, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Church, you don't need to be in real trouble. And a lot of us are walking around and we don't know how to have the conversations and the real friendships that can get us to the next level. I'm not asking you to be the open book, right? Like the friend that just shares everything. Y'all know those friends. Right? Hey, you just shared way too much in the wrong crowd. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is that you need to find somebody that can be a mentor in your life. You need to find somebody that can walk through some situations with you. Amen? Right, this is how we should live our life. So get some friends that will reach out when you fall. Better yet, be the friend to, to reach your hand out. Somebody that's going through a broken marriage, just don't notice it, don't see it, be a help. You know, some people are hurt and broken. Be the help uh, when it's late at night and when somebody's lost a loved one, you know, you're in their corner for weeks at a time and it's spending some of your time up, right? Be a help when you, you, you listen, I love the, the mantra that you guys have. You know, hey, we're for the city. We're, for, we're not just in it. We're for it. We're for the city. Be the help. Amen? Be the one that will go the distance. Fight for people. You can't fight, you can't fight alone. You just can't. All right, so, so we talked about friends. 
Um, the second thing that I think that I see in this story is that we got to have some persistence. Come on, I'm talk- I know I'm talking to somebody in the room. we, we got to have some persistence in our faith, in our walk. Some of us give up way too easy, and we need some persistence in our lives. Sometimes we got to figure out how to just grind it out, <laughs> right? So, so when Jesus said in, in Mark chapter 2, verse 5, he says, when I saw their faith, right? He's, he didn't say when I noticed that he had a, a, a biblical scholarship uh, and he knows the, you know, the book of Ecclesiastes well, and then I healed him. No, no, he's, he saw the faith, right? And we live in a season in a culture where all we want is clarity, God, if you'll just show me the clarity, if you'll just show me the money, if you'll just show me the next step, I'll do it. If you'll just show me everything that I'm supposed to know, I'll do it. And the, but the Bible says you can't even please God without faith. Right? And so what we do is we get obsessive about, I just need to have clarity. Just give me clarity. I need to, and clarity's not bad. We need to have clarity in our lives. But the more that you intake who God is in your life, the more clear things will become. But oftentimes we don't use our faith. And persistence, we struggle with that because we feel like giving up in moments when we're not supposed to give up. I'm not saying that you got to take every battle to the ground. Some you got to get out of. Some it's not for you. But you need people around you. You need a friendship partner to help you see that. Because sometimes we get caught up, do we not, in life, working through life, working through a situation and we just want to just, we just want to be done with it. None of us, none of us raises our hands in the morning and says, you know what? I would like a battle today, you know, right here, God, just please, maybe two. <laughs> no, nobody says that, right? So when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. You know, when he saw their faith and, and just, just, I'm going to say it, you know, what faith is. I know I'm, I'm sitting in a room full of adults that probably know what it is, but, but faith is this. It's the substance of things hoped for, for the evidence of things you can't see. So if you're a mom in the room and you, you've, you've struggled with a relationship with your kids, you're hoping, God, I see it. And I'm going to do the things inside to, to work towards that. But I'm having faith that I'm going to have the relationship with my kid later on in life. Maybe in the next month, maybe in the next year. I, I'm living by faith for this next season. Does that make sense? It's, it's, that's what it is. Life's greatest opportunities aren't always obvious. You know, we're so blinded these days with just life. Things don't look obvious because we, we feel weighed down. There's anxiety levels high and, and we're just trying to get through life and we get to church, you know, irrelevant and, 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 and work out, you know, the salvation here at church. But, but your life goes on Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturdays. <laughs> But the thing is, is life's greatest opportunities aren't always obvious. Now, let me prove it to you. Um, now, I love to hunt. I, I, I know that I look like a hunter. I'm that guy. I, I love to deer hunt, and uh, I'm from, I was originally born in Birmingham, Alabama, and we had a bunch of land there that we would hunt consistently. And I'm a hardwood hunter, okay? So I, now just hang with me. If you're not a hunter in the room, just hang with me. I'll make it apply in just a second. Just, just, I'm going to talk to all the hunters in the room. Is that cool? So um, I enjoy hunting hardwoods. I, I'm not a big open field guy. You know, I, I love to get in the woods because that's where they move a lot. And so I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I'm climbing tree stands and, you know, I got my binoculars right. And, 
And I'm, and I'm just, you know, looking all around and some people sleep back there. Just kidding. <laughs> Nobody's sleeping. <laughs> and, and, and I remember this, this one season. I was hunting a buck, y'all. I'm talking about he was massive. Like he's the one that, you, you know, you want on your wall for sure. And, and I remember hunting. And the thing about hardwoods is that you, you, you can only see a certain distance. 40, 50 yards, maybe 60 yards. It's really hard to see through the woods. So it puts a lot of strain on your eyes. And so that's why you got to use binoculars because deer cover themselves so well and they move so quietly. And it was a rainy morning, so it was real quiet. And I, I remember seeing deer move. And so I just, I just did this number right here. And I see them. I see them. But I'm looking for the big one, you know what I mean? And so I see all these does moving, about five or six of them. They're just moving through the woods. And then I just, I'm just, you know... You know, you know, as a hunter, you put the binoculars down, then you start scrolling on Instagram or Facebook, and then you miss anyways. So I was, I was just out there looking, and then I made this just simple move. You know, just put these down, y'all, and that deer was standing right there under, under I, so close that I could jump out of the stand and rode it into the back of my truck. <laughs> Which would have been an amazing story, but I couldn't do it because I scared him. So he stomped his leg and he blew out real big and he took off running. And I grabbed my gun and I was like, you know, you know, just trying to, I didn't want to shoot anybody else, you know. So I was like, well, I better hold off. But God spoke to me that morning. God spoke to me and I wrote a whole series out of it. But so often we've got our focus on the thing ahead. When the thing that he wants to bless you with is right here. And I come to tell you that some of you, your focus is way ahead. It's not bad to focus ahead. But God's design is for you right now. That's his design. We get caught up in the life of we need this. We need to make sure our retirement's set. And we want to live in a nice uh, home with a picket fence and three and a half kids and one dog if you like dogs, you know. And, <laughs> you know, and those aren't bad. But a lot of times the blessing's sitting right in front of you and we're asking for clarity for the thing in the future and God's saying it's right here. And so it spoke to me. Although I wanted that deer, it spoke to me. And God, I see it out there. I see it out there. It's, so, so it's something you can see in a response of hope that you can't see. That's what faith is. And the most obvious thing to do in this story is to heal the man. And he did, you know, but it wasn't his first response. And his first response was to tell him, because of your persistence, to get to me, your sins are forgiven. So question, I mean, this is a question for you. What do you do when God bypasses what you want to give you what you need? We want this, God. I want that, God. But he's like, but your need, you need this right now. And so often we get caught up with this whole idea of what's out there, right? What, what happens? The man wanted to be healed. What if they would have got to the house, right? Just to say, you know what? This is way too crowded. This is way too crowded. Remember in the story? So they, you know, they started at the beginning of the house. There was no room to get in. So they went through the roof of the house. Like how, what if it would have been, for me, I would have been like, I'll come back tomorrow. Jesus will be here tomorrow. I'll just come back. But they didn't, right? How many miracles have been wasted in our lives just because we simply won't be persistent. I want you to think about that for a moment. But Jesus said, before I do something for you, I want to do something in you. That's the key. 
The man, all he wanted to do was to be healed. Remember, there was Jesus and the Pharisees arguing over the man. And he's like, yo, I would just like my legs to be healed. Thank you for saving my sins, but I came here for my legs. I want you to think through this for a moment. This is how Jesus works. Oftentimes we know that we think, we think that we know what we need. And God is saying, but I'm going to give you what you need before I bless you. And sometimes we don't know how to handle that, right? And so, so, so okay, so, so friends, that's important. We've got to have some persistence. And here's the third one. And then I have 32 more points after this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, You've you got to have friends. You've you got to have some persistence in your life. And the third one is this. You have to have peace in the process. You have to. You, you, you've got to have clarity in the chaos. It's, it's, it's part of who we are. Sometimes the process looks so daunting. And sometimes we don't want to do the process part of our miracle. But Jesus in Mark chapter 2 in verse 5 again says, I saw their faith. I, I saw it. And, and, and the paralyzed man said, you know, like he said to the paralyzed man, your, your sins are forgiving. And then we had the fighting amongst the the teachers of the law and Jesus and all of this. But here's what I know about this part of the story. And I I need you to hear me on this and I'm going to explain it. But his friends got his sins forgiven, but his haters got him healed. Let me me explain it. No, no, his friends weren't Jesus. And and, and no, the haters, the Pharisees, right? They They didn't heal him. But what happened was his friends were so persistent to getting to the place in front of Jesus, in front of the miracle worker, that the, 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 the process of them going back and forth, Jesus says, just watch this. Yeah. I'm not sure that's how he did it. That's why I'm not Jesus. Because <laughs> I'd have been yawn everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're healed and you're healed and you're healed. now. Anyway, sorry. But here's the thing. Before he was actually healed, there was opposition. And then Jesus gave him what he needed before he actually did what he was asking. So, here's another question. Has anybody ever given up on you? Has anybody ever walked away from you? Think about it for a moment. These religious men had no sympathy for this man. And I'm just saying, thank God right now for the interruptions that are in your life. Because I'm telling you, we don't want them. I get it. We don't want the interruptions. We don't want the pain. But pain proves that he is present. I'm telling you. It's a a place that you can get to in your mind, knowing that, God, you're about to do something in my life. And I love this. You know, I love it. Um, So what has God brought you to? What has he brought into your life in this moment? What, what are you trying to get away from? You know, my personal experience, um, it's not all, uh, always obvious, you know, you're becoming wiser. <laughs> uh, like faith and wisdom seem like dumb decisions. Right? Anybody else? Is that just me? You know, when you're using your faith and you're trying to be wise, you're like, I don't know if I should, should be doing this. I, I, you know, I'm just trusting and people are looking at you like, I don't know if you should be doing that. <laughs> Anybody? <Is this> me? <laughs> right, 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 right. But he calls people this way. And so oftentimes, 
the key is that you gain, you, you, you have to gain the wisdom off of the experience today for tomorrow. Does that make sense? So it brings me to my next point. Who loves to gamble? Anybody? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I do. I was like, where's this guy going? Um, I have this amazing story. Uh, you know, I watched the Kentucky Derby this year, this past year. And uh, I, actually, I don't really watch the Kentucky Derby. I saw the highlights of it. And this race blew my mind. We had a horse uh, called Epicenter that was racing this race, right? And uh, he was betted to win. There was a lot of money on this 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 horse epicenter, and um, and so uh, and, and of course all, there was money all uh, over the 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 you know the range of horses there, and then there was this one horse that got sick. It had to be taken out literally minutes before the race happened. I'm not sure if it got COVID or not. I'm, I don't know if horses get COVID, <laughs> but he got sick. So they had to pull that horse out, and they put this horse into the stall, and his name was uh, Rich Strike. And um, the story behind this is so amazing because Rich Strike is um, a horse that no one saw coming. Rich Strike was not on anyone's radar. He was, uh, he was a horse that eventually um, uh, became pretty famous. They had to check him to make sure he wasn't like bionic, you know, like they, they had to give him, like, he was a mean horse. He was a, he was a, he was a gun-ho horse, his, him and his rider. Nobody touched that horse but his rider. And they put him in the, in, in the stall, and, and then they, they took off. And so I brought, a, I brought a video of a horse race. I'm not sure if I can show that in church, but you, got, you want to see it? It's like a minute long. I promise it'll tie into this. Hey, let's show, let's show that video real quick. I mean, did you hear the announcer's voice? Like he never saw it. He never saw Rich Strike come up. And it's like he, you know, and this is our life. I want you to think about this for a moment. You feel like you're putting all the work in, like you're, you're the bionic person with your kids and getting into school and, and you feel like nobody notices you and, and you're doing all the right things and nobody sees you on the radar. And God is saying, but I see you. I see you in your situation. I see you, so I'm going to part some ways for you. I see you because you're being faithful in your time. I'm seeing you that you're being faithful in your relationships, in your faithfulness in the church. I see it. And I love the story because then at the end, right, like you literally can tell like he wasn't even watching Rich Strike. And then he's like, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then Rich Strike, Rich Strike takes it, and then, and then he wins. So I did some, uh, I did a little study on horses. One thing I found, horses can nearly see 360 degrees around. They got gigantic heads, y'all. You know, their eyes are right on the side, you know. (laughs) And so that allows them to be able to see nearly 360 degrees. And so, you know, the handlers, when they get them around people and they, you know, they race, what they have to do and they have to teach them is they have to put these blinders on. And the only reason is, is, is to create less distraction. Because what the horses do, if they have one on and they see the crowd, it distracts them. 
Or if you take a horse into a crowd of people, you want to have this so the distraction doesn't move them to take off. And so, 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 the, so the people would have to put these blinders on. And it's so funny because we live in a season, in a society, where everything around us is a distraction. And, and, and you are looking at other people's highlight reels on Instagram and Facebook, and I wish I could have my, my kids like that. I wish, they would, I wish they would behave. I just wish I could do my laundry on the right time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like I just wish I had the money they had. If I had the house they had, I wish. And this is what we do. And, and, and the beautiful part of it is, is the Lord is like, I just need you to eliminate some things in your life so you can have a focus on me. And the very thing that we think that we need, we're running around, if I could just do this and that and this, God is saying it's already here. It's right in front of you. And I need you to focus on me, not the distractions, not what people say or think or do. I need you to build a great friendship. I need you you to be persistent in your life. And I need you to keep your eyes on me. Like he wasn't even favored a little. So um, here's what I've learned. In order to run your race effectively... You have got to eliminate distractions. You have to. Paul said it best in 1 Corinthians. And he's talking about the end of the race. The end of your life. And I'm going to read it out of the message version because it's beautifully how it's said. But he says this. He says, you've all been to the stadiums, right? He says, and you've seen the athletes race. You know what it looks like. He said, everyone runs. One wins. He runs to win. And all good athletes, you know, they train hard. But they do it for this gold medal that tarnishes and fades. It's not that it's bad. It's just that it's not, it's not something you can hold on to. It's, it's great. Cool. But he's saying, but, but you... You are after the one that's gold eternally. And he goes on to say, I I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. He says, I'm not, I'm giving it everything that I've got, no lazy living for me, and I'm staying alert and in top condition because I love this part. He says, I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about what is going on and missing out myself. What he's saying is I'm not going to just walk around with the math saying, bless you, bless you, I'm good, you good. You know what I mean? He's he's saying like, I'm not going to be caught telling other people about it and I'm missing out. So I'm not going to live distracted. I'm not going to look in my rearview mirror and try to drive my car. (laughs) We don't do that. So what we do is is we take a moment and we focus and we thank God for what we have and God lead us. Amen. Will you stand with me? We're going to close right here. Run to win. If I can encourage you, please run to win the race. Not win the race of somebody else's applause. That all feels great, but I'm telling you, that only lasts for a season. If you are chasing people and things, it will only last for a season. It's great to feel needed. It's great to feel like 
people are for you, and that, those are all amazing. We need friends like that, but you're really chasing God. That's the race. You know, some of life's greatest opportunities aren't always obvious. And some of God's greatest invitations show up in the form of interruptions. So are you being interrupted today? Do you feel like giving up? And if you do, just know that God is present. He sees you when you're hurting. He sees you when you want to make decisions that are going to be hard. He sees you when you're frustrated. He sees you when you feel like you're not doing the best job, you're making the wrong decisions, and and maybe you have. But I just need you to know that he sees you. So eliminate the distractions. Get refocused. Amen.